Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for joining in. I can't thank you enough for all your support. I also would like to thank our sponsors, um, uh, Siegfried and Jensen, Wasatch Recovery and Veracity Networks. Thank you so much for believing in me. I can't tell you how much that means and it's going to help get these amazing stories out to so many more people. And I also like to thank all the guests that have been on my show. You guys are amazing. And that's why we're successful is because of you and you 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 come on and you 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 get vulnerable and you share your stories and it's just mind blowing stuff and today's no different today we're joined by Danny Shelton Danny thank you for joining us yeah thanks for having me Todd I appreciate it man yeah so Danny you are the owner of D and D Fitness and Nutrition right and we'll talk about how that all came to pass and yeah and all that but uh, you spent most of your life feeling uncomfortable in your own skin not feeling good enough which ultimately threw you into a drug addiction and other self-defeating behaviors it's interesting how common that just is like I'm just not good enough right yeah and so oh, yeah. I want to get into that um, you are you're really big into health and fitness it's your passion you know I've done a lot of research on you and I love just what you're doing I, I admire your your work and I just love your 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 drive and passion to to make a difference in this world. You know, it, I, I mean, truthfully, I think that was probably one of the biggest turning points when it comes to my recovery uh-huh. is, I mean, a lot of us get into recovery and, and the concentrations 100 percent recovery. Right. And and the biggest transition in my life, I think, was going from 100 percent recovery to, hey, I'm actually really passionate about this other thing and I don't have to neglect my recovery to do it. So let's do that. And all of a sudden just the horizon started opening yeah, and wow. I just, I just found, yeah. I just found that passion and it was awesome, man. That I is cool. It. You know, I, I heard it once said by a, a friend of mine, Simon Sinek. Mm. He says, if you master the first 11 steps of AA, you'll drink again. If you master step 12, you'll never touch another drop. 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's that's really what you're doing. At the end of the day, you're giving back. You're trying to make a difference, and, and it fuels your fire, keeps you on the right track and all yep. that stuff. So, yep. again, I really do admire what you do. Um, and we're going to get into this amazing story from Danny, but uh, I want to also – let's start. Where did you grow up? And tell yeah. us a little bit about your family life. All right, man. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, a lot of people in our community tend to have very traumatic upbringings. I am yeah. not that person. I don't. Mm. I actually grew up in an incredible household. Today, I still have an incredible relationship with my parents. So I grew up in a awesome. very LDS household. Okay. okay. Um, and now when I say LDS, um, I'm, I'm sure the listeners are familiar with the LDS religion. Um, but my family... And my father in particular uh, took it a kind of to the next level is probably the best way that I would describe that. I remember pretty vividly like Sundays, we could not go to friends' houses. We could not grocery shop. We could not watch television. We were only allowed to read scripture and read church liter- literature like the friend or the enzyme of the new era. <laughs> right. So I just, I remember yeah. from a very young age, 
not enjoying Sundays yeah, at all. And so, right. <laughs> and so I was, you know, I was a pretty good kid, uh, but it, you know, from a very young age started feeling, you know, very resentful and very rebellious towards this, yeah. this very, very strict household that I was in. Um, again, not to ever say anything bad about my parents cause they did the best they could. Right. They, they 100% right. went off of, you know, this is very similar to how my dad was raised and he was just trying to, you know, emulate those same values that he was taught in a similar sure. way. But, yeah. you know, looking at it now, you know, I felt very uncomfortable and I just remember from a very young age feeling like I wasn't good enough mm. because I had all of these rules and I had all of these standards in my life. And I just felt like I could never adhere to them. Yeah. Like every time I'm going through and it's just like, okay, well you did your chores, but we got to fix this, this, and this. And you, you did this, but did you get an hour of scripture study in today? And you did. And I'm just like, yeah. man, I'm, I mean, and so yeah. then it, Can't you, keep up. no, not yeah. even a little bit. You just yeah. feel like, okay, this is awful. <laughs> and so by the time 13 or 14 comes around, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to do any of this anymore. So it all just kind of goes out the window and yeah. I'm just like, okay, now I'm going to be rebellious. And, and mm -hmm. it's funny cause I didn't start using any substances yet. Um, you know, where I grew up in Utah County, it's, it's pretty difficult to come across, man. Like it's not quite the same as Salt Lake, right. Salt Lake. There's so much stuff around. Like you mm -hmm. can, you can find anything, right? Right. right. Utah County is a very, very conservative County. It was more difficult. And so I was still drug and alcohol free through high school, uh, but I got extremely rebel rebellious. And I remember that this is probably when when the first signs of extreme narcissism and arrogance started coming around. Really? Um, that was my defense mechanism because okay. I didn't feel OK. Yeah. Right. I didn't feel happy or comfortable. Right. But the way for me to show you that I was OK was to make you feel bad about yourself. Mm. So that then all of a sudden I look like I'm a, I'm a rock star and it's taken many, many years of, of therapy and, and all these things to finally get to the yeah. point where I realized that that's what was going on. Uh, but the best way to describe me as a teenager was an arrogant prick. That's, that's honestly like all that I was, I was a douchebag and, and I just <laughs> did not treat people well. I was yeah. not kind. And as a result, I ended up, it was, it's weird because I look at it now and I, and I lived this life where I didn't have any friends, but I was constantly pretending how many friends I had yeah. and I wasn't popular, but I was constantly telling people how popular I was and, and everything was just this weird facade that did not make any sense. And, and it just, it was not working. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it was just, it was rough. Okay. So, sure. <laughs> so that's kind of what high school looked like. It was not good. It was funny. Darcy, my, my fiance asked me if I would ever go to a high school reunion. I was like, are you kidding me? No. <laughs> there's, They'd be like, there's Danny. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> like, people would be like, oh, avoid that guy. Like, there's no way I would go to a high school reunion. I was such a, like, everybody's got embarrassing high school stories. Right. Guys, mine is so much worse. I was so unkind to so many people like I, I can't even imagine acting that way towards anybody anymore yeah and so and so that's kind of what high school looked like for me now again as you can imagine you know with such a structured home right 
there was no way I was going to stay there. And so I, I graduated high school a year early so that I could move out. And I moved out of my house mm. at the age of 17. Okay. I wanted, you know, obviously with roommates cause you can't get an apartment, but I had a job. I wanted out. I wanted some freedom and, and realized very quickly that it's really hard to make money and, and have a living when you're not living at mom and dad's and you're 17 years old. Yeah. And so, and so there are a couple of things that I tried to do. Cause this is also when you start seeing, um, my very, very, very codependent behavior start coming out. Right. Um, you know, part of my story is I've actually been married and divorced three times. I got married at the age of 18. I got married at the age of 19. I got oh, married again at the age of 23. Are you serious? 100%. Just back to back to back. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was just, I wanted, I it was, it's kind of a weird correlation of, I wanted to feel exclusively loved for who I was. Yeah. And I wanted that person to feel obligated to love me. That, that was, I mean, honestly, like that's, yeah. that's what I wanted. I wanted you to love me no matter what. I didn't want you to have a choice about loving me. I wanted you to love me period. But unfortunately I'm also in that situation where I need that validation for other people from yeah. other people. And so I was unable to be faithful in any of these relationships. I was so codependent and I needed that love and affection wherever I could get it. Like I couldn't yeah. live without it and there was never enough. And it's, and it's the most unhealthy form of codependency that you can sure, find, yeah. but it's so, so common amongst this community. And it's yeah. okay to talk about like, yeah. this is how I was feeling. I felt like I wasn't good enough and I felt like I wasn't loved. And at the time, the only solution I had, frankly, was sex. And, and that's so unhealthy. Like I look at that yeah. now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I treated these poor women that way. Yeah. But frankly, that's where I was. And so I went through and I got married and I got married to a young lady. We got it annulled after three months. Okay. Um, and then I go through and I get engaged to another young lady and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do the LDS thing at this point. And yeah. so I'm, I go through and I, I actually ended up getting married in the Salt Lake temple. I had no business being in the Salt Lake temple. I wasn't being faithful to my fiance at the time. Her and I were having an intimate relationship. I was having intimate relationships with other people. I had no business being in there, but I wanted the validation. I wanted yeah. my family to see that. Just say, Good job. Yeah. Man. Just yeah. give me that. Oh, you did the right thing. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. That's what I wanted. That mattered to me. Um, and then as you can imagine, that marriage lasted like, you know, five, six months. And, and then we ended up getting divorced. Um, and so, but before the marriage happened, so between marriage one and marriage two, I actually enlisted into the military. Okay. And so that was my get out of jail free card. I'd kind of ruined my credit trying to be a 17 year old on my own. Okay. And, uh, I wanted money. And at the mm, time, yeah. you know, this is when the conflict in Iraq was just getting ramped up. We'd been in Afghanistan for probably uh, five or six years at the time. Okay. And uh, they were offering $40,000 sign-on bonuses to join the army. They needed people. And so I went through and I got the sign-on bonus. It's funny, like I'm super honest with people and telling them like I did not join the military because I was patriotic. I did not join the military because I was trying to help anybody. I joined the military for a sign-on bonus. That's it. I'm not a hero. I didn't do anything heroic. I I was not trying to give my life for anybody else. I was just trying to get paid. 
That's that's honestly what it is. And so I went through and I joined the military and and I the you know the biggest gift that I got from the military aside from that $40,000 sign-on bonus was some PTSD. And so mm. this is when the journey starts getting just a little bit crazy. Um which is crazy because it's already a pretty crazy life. I'm two marriages down yeah, and right. and and it's still been pretty rough, right? But sure. at this point I'm still sober. Then I get the PTSD diagnosis and you know, the biggest solution for PTSD is, is they start medicating the crap out of you. And so I'm, I'm on, I'm on just a plethora of medications. They try the Tamazepam, the Lorazepam. I couldn't sleep. So I was on Ambien and Xanax and Adderall. And there was always something there to help me feel better. If I'm feeling anxious, here's this. If I'm feeling, if I'm feeling drowsy or depressed and here's this, right. And then I realized that, uh, you know, this is still, you know, 2011, 12, the opioid epidemic is something that we kind of know about, but it's not in full swing. You right. can still get away with a lot of stuff with some of your doctors, for man. Sh- yeah. Back then. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> like <Right. laughs> it was still today. There's no way. But back then you give me, I go into the doctor's office with a headache. They're sending me out with Percocet if I ask for it, period. Yeah, right. And so I, I started realizing that, okay, these are the meds that I like. And if I ask this doctor, this doctor, and this doctor for these medications, then I can get more of them. Get them. Yeah, right? Right. And so, and so that's what I did. I started doctor shopping, and that's when things started getting a little bit crazy. Uh, but at the time, I was still, you know, I maintained a job, which was cool. Um, still kind of, for the most part, paying my bills. Okay. I think the biggest time that, the biggest way that you can tell that something is wrong is, is, a, is you know, again, my relationships. Right. Um, I'm estranged from my family temporarily. Um, you know, my marriages and my relationships with women are are just so volatile. Like it's just, you know what yeah, I mean? Whereas yeah, for sure. like there's there's a, you know, I've been with my fiance now for two and a half years and we have our moments, yeah, right? Sure. But it's it's like probably 50, well, maybe 40% really happy, maybe 30, 40% pretty neutral. And maybe 20% where it's just like, oh, this is rough. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? But, and, and, and that's, that's just being honest. Yeah, that's that's pretty normal. But but these relationships were just like, oh, my gosh, I love you. Ah, I'm going to kill you. Oh, my gosh, I love <laughs> yeah. you. Throwing stuff at each other and like, oh, yeah. my gosh, it was insane, man. Like yeah. just police getting called and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. And so that's like, for me, that's what I look at. And when that's kind of how I recognize when I'm in a downward trajectory Yeah, right. is, is when my relationships start to struggle, I have to recognize it's probably me because that's the first thing that goes for me. Right. Yeah. And so I'm going through my relationships are a mess. Everything's, everything's crazy. Everything's wild. And then, um, all my prescriptions get cut off at once. And, and Jeez. which, which is pretty normal. You can get away with doctor shopping for a certain amount of time. And then they catch on eventually. And then they catch on eventually <laughs> and it's over, man. Yeah. And it was, and it was done. And up until this point, you know, I'm, I'm 23, 24 years old. I did not actually realize that I was not going to feel well when I didn't have these drugs. Mm. My assumption was that I was going to be able to just 
stop yeah whenever i wanted you know what i mean like oh yeah i've got this under control i'm drinking a case of beer every night and <laughs> taking 15 or 20 different pills every day it's fine it's right fine. everything's no fine <laughs> and then the very next day is when i realized that that was not the case yeah i and, and i started getting sick i started feeling uncomfortable and uh this is when my soiree with uh street drugs started Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, I've, I've got a, I've got a pretty long history of being addicted to heroin, methamphetamines and, and alcohol. And so, yeah. you know, that's when the heroin and meth started. And that's also when everything just absolutely went to pieces. Um, you know, lost my job, didn't have a desire to go to work. Um, you know, I'm at this, you know, sold everything that I could to get more stuff. And then mm-hmm. I spent probably a year and a half almost two years uh being physically homeless in the in the downtown west valley area and and i mean we're talking like walking the streets during the day and sometimes i could scrape together enough money to get a hotel room and sometimes i was sleeping on the sidewalk man wow like that's that's legitimately how it was my mom you know, I've, I've actually told this story a couple times with my mom and, and it's, it's really emotional for me because she goes through and she talks about how every weekend for probably, you know, three, four months straight, she would go to the downtown area at night and she would just go and walk around and look for me just to see if she could find me. My mom didn't hear from me for years. Wow. And had no idea if she I was dead or alive. You were dead, right? yeah. yeah, she had she had no idea, and so, but yeah, she would she would drive down to the downtown area just to make sure that, you know, just to see if she could find me, hoping that right. she could at least, you know, buy me a meal or something. Um, but the thing that ended up getting me sober, unfortunately, is that when you're in that lifestyle and you just get so desperate, sometimes there's crime attached to that. Right. And so, and so, and so I ended up spending doing numerous stints in jail with, uh, you know, drug charges and petty theft charges and things like that. And then I got a felony Mm. and it, and it was funny because it was a felony that I'm, I, you know, I, it's because you get away with so many things that could have been felonies. Right. And then it ended up being the one thing that technically I didn't think was a felony <laughs> when I was doing it. Um, I was, right. I was, right. I had borrowed a car that I had assumed was a legitimate, like this is this person's car, not that person's car. It was a stolen vehicle. <laughs> and so I get pulled over in a stolen vehicle and I get my first F2 for for you know going through and and stealing yeah. a car <laughs> unfortunately on top of that you know I was running somebody else's dope at the time and so I actually got hit with 102 grams of methamphetamines as well Whoa. which is a possession yeah. with intent to to distribute so I had multiple felonies and uh Jeez. that is all of a sudden I'm looking at real time at this point right and so you know, before it was always two weeks in jail, 30 days in jail, whatever, who cares? But now, like, you know, those are charges that you got drugs in a stolen car in the same crime docket. There's a potential of going to prison. Um, maybe not necessarily, but it's a, it's a possibility. It's a possibility it's, it's, I'm not sure, a first-time yeah. offender. I've got probably 12 or 13 drug-related misdemeanors. Um, so for me, the option that I took was drug court, which, you know, there, looking at it now, that was probably what ended up saving my life. Um, 
I hated it when I was doing it. I ended up being in drug court for almost three years because it is a very rigorous program. But I'll tell you what, they are hardcore. They, right. they, uh, if you mess up, they put you right back in jail and put you right back in treatment. <laughs> there are no ifs, ands, or buts. Right. Um, you know, before, before this had happened, I'd actually been to treatment six or seven times. Um, but drug court put me Dang. through treatment another seven times. I've actually been through treatment 14 times total. Wow. And what's kind of interesting, I've never actually graduated from a treatment program. <laughs> Um, because again, my ego gets the best of me sometimes. And so even though I was sober and, and I finally got to that point where I was sober and committed to be sober. Right. Um, but I was just convinced that I didn't need treatment anymore. And I got my, got, I got it. I forced my therapist into a point where they were fed up with it. Yeah. And they, they had to kick me out for the simple fact that I was just a negative influence on the group as a whole. And, and I recognize that, you know, I recognize that because I just, you know, I got stuck in my ego yeah. and, and didn't want to be there. And I've, I've always kind of worn my emotions on my sleeve. And that's just something that I need to be aware of when it comes to negative feelings that I'm protruding, I'm putting onto other people. Right. right? For sure. For sure. And so I, I got kicked out of treatment, but this is the difference. The difference is that, you know, instead of just getting kicked out of treatment and going back out on the run. Um, I got kicked out of treatment and I walked down to the jailhouse and turned myself in and, Mm -hmm. and went through and I ended up spending another four weeks in jail. And they were like, you know, at this point, you know, you've been sober for a year, almost like I, I, I've been sober for like 11 months. Right. And I was like, man, I've been sober for this amount of time. They're like, okay, so we're not going to make you go back to treatment. We're going to let you try this thing out. And at first they told me that I needed to go to IOP, but because of the amount of sober time that I had, mm-hmm. um, the IOP was like, your insurance is not actually won't going to take it. you. They won't cover yeah. it. And there's, there's no reason for you to be in IOP and other than drug courts trying to tell you, you need to be in IOP. And so I was, and so drug court just ended up deciding like, you know what, just go to four AA meetings a week and, and that's enough and keep on doing your drug tests right. and all that stuff. And so that's that's kind of what it looked like. And so I'm I'm a year sober, having done little to no recovery work at this point. Um, and so, well, almost a year sober, ten months sober, having done almost no recovery work, right. just jail and kind of and kind of finessing my way through treatment, telling yeah. people what they wanted to hear. And so now all of a sudden I'm I'm grinding, man. Like I'm I'm over here and I'm working, hitting my drug court meetings, hitting my drug court appointments, doing all this stuff, and I start getting really, really miserable. Mm. And I'm just not really a hundred percent sure, you know, what is going on there. And so um at first what I tried to start doing is I is I tried to start going to meetings. Um and I love AA, but I happen to have a severe case of ADD. I cannot sit still. You guys can't see me, but I'm over here tapping my foot because if I'm not moving, <laughs> then then I start going nuts. Okay, and so it's it's super difficult. I've got him buckled into the couch, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I got him strapped in there. <laughs> and so I can't sit still. Right. So sitting in an hour long meeting was torture for me. Right. I did not love that. Uh, but I found this place. Have you ever heard of FTR? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So I got, I went through and I met Ian Acker. Explain what FTR is for our listeners. So what FTR is, is a place called Fit to Recover. 
And, and what they do is they bring fitness into treatment centers and treatment centers go there. And yeah. it is a place where, uh, you know, we teach exercise and we work out together, mm-hmm. but that's very secondary. Um, what it really is, is a place where like-minded individuals with like-minded goals yeah. are able to get together and, and do something just a little bit different. Right. And, and honestly, it was the perfect thing for somebody like me who needed the connection I needed those positive male role models so badly. I needed to learn how to have healthy relationships with women. And, and I didn't want to go to AA because it drove me nuts. Right. And so I go to FTR and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, bunch of positive, positive male role models, yeah. healthy women that I can have healthy non-sexual relationships with. And that was ended up being my community. And that is where my love of fitness ended up coming. Um, you know, I, ironically, I'd always, I'd been a certified personal trainer for a lot of years. Cause when you're in the military, it's actually, you can get that certification for free. Oh, like, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The GI bill covers it all. And, oh, awesome. and so it's, it's a pretty easy thing to do. And sure. at the time I was just like, Oh yeah, I'll teach people how to work out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, <laughs> But, <laughs> but, but now all of a sudden I've got this personal training thing and, yeah. and I'm like, well, I'd, I'd like to teach some classes. And so I start teaching some classes at FTR. And when you start teaching there, they generally have you start out, uh, teaching treatment centers. And that's the only people that I ever taught when I was okay. at FTR because yeah. I, I loved it. I loved teaching my Odyssey house classes. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. Such a fun experience. And all of a sudden, I find myself cause I'd been through the 12 steps at this point and, and you know, again, I'm not ever going to say anything bad about Alcoholics Anonymous. If anything, I think it is absolutely essential for every living human being to at some point in time, go through the 12 steps. I think it's the most liberating thing that well, it's you a can way do. of life. Really. Yeah. You don't even have to, I mean, you take away the word steps. It's just, you know, we should have a higher power. We yep. should, uh, have a full inventory of our lives. We yeah. should make amends with people. We yep. should give back. Yep, that's really what they are. Yeah, have that having that inventory and and being willing to to tell that inventory and go through that inventory with somebody else's is probably the most <laughs> difficult. But yeah. also, that's the biggest thing in this world that keeps me sober. Yeah. Like it's you know the difference between me and and the average person that I see is I have absolutely nothing to hide. Let's talk about my crime history. Let's yeah. talk about my drug addiction. Like Let's talk about all that stuff because you know what? I guarantee you that there are who knows how many people going through the same thing and still stuck in that place of trying yeah, to hide it. For sure. So I want to ask you something though. So you're at you're at uh, FTR. You're like I found this is my niche. This is it. Yep. Was that a moment for you too as well where you're like, hey, this is the course I'm taking from now on. I'm done with this life over here. The 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 felonies, the homelessness, the the misery. Is this kind of when, at least in your heart and mind, like I know this is what I need. You know, it is. It's it's definitely when that happened. It happened for me at FTR, and and I'll always I'll always have a lot of love for Ian Acker for providing yeah. that place. Shout out to Ian. Um, because you know it it definitely. It, that's what changed my life. Yeah, it it awesome. gave me purpose. And, yeah. you know, I don't, obviously I don't work at FTR anymore because, you know, there's a little bit of a conflict of interest there. And, sure. and so, <laughs> and so, you know, I ended up venturing out of myself, but 
I I don't have anything bad to say about FTR ever. I'm so grateful for, for for what they gave me. Um, but yeah, when I, when I moved on from FTR, it was actually because Darcy and I decided to start our own business. Yeah. Um, and it's been, we've actually been in business for two years now. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and what we do is we actually, what we, well, what I call us is, is we're food sponsors is really the best way to describe it. We are food and nutrition and fitness sponsors, and it's a little bit different than experiences that you may and or yeah. may not have with other people. We coach people on how to eat. Um, and, and we don't necessarily structure their lives to force a closed minded weight loss program. We actually go through and work with people to find something that works for them. Okay. And it's, it's funny when you look at it, we honestly, we, we definitely utilize a lot of different things from the 12 steps and we try and incorporate those things into fitness and nutrition. And so, you know, obviously we don't consider ourselves higher powers at all. But at some point in time, if you want to make a change in your fitness and nutrition, you have to recognize that your way isn't working yeah. and I might be able to help find you a better way. Right. Period. No, sure. if, no if, ands, or buts. And so, and so we incorporate that. We Love talk it. about, you know, a searching fearless moral inventory with food and fitness. Look, guys, we have to get to that place with food and fitness where you know, having a cheat meal or whatever, or eating pizza or whatever doesn't make you a bad person. Right. And so we actually have to really dive into like your psyche in regards yeah. to food and nutrition and really figure out what's holding you back. Do you have shame around your food, eating and, and exercise habits that we need to work through, you know, and then we can get super honest and like, look, do you, are you a person that tends to overeat or are you a person that tends to undereat? And then we can actually dive into like, okay, when you have that feeling like you want to overeat, what can we do better? Yeah. When you have that feeling like you want to undereat, what can we what do can better? We do? Yeah, right. And so it's just, we, we try and incorporate a lot of that stuff and we try and get into the emotional side of food and the psyche. And, and then, so we're going through and, and the way this business started is just because over time people kept continuously were asking me for food advice and nutrition advice. And yeah. before I know it, I'm, I'm actually helping like 15, 20 people just to help them. Yeah, right. And I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm serving tables at Cheesecake Factory and I don't necessarily love doing that. <laughs> right. And so and so maybe maybe these people will pay me. And they did. I was like, okay. <laughs> You're like, hey, maybe, here we go. You Here's know, a good just business. you know, and it wasn't a lot yeah. of money. It was a sure. little bit of money, but you know, it 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 motivated them a little bit financially and it motivated me. And all of a sudden my, you know, quality of care goes through the roof because I'm like, oh man, I'm getting paid for this. I'm like this is a big deal. This is important. And then, you know, the thing started growing and, and, uh, you know, that was, that's always fun for sure. And, and we ended up, uh, starting the podcast, which is, you know, we actually don't get paid from the podcast and, and I think we're going to keep it that way because the podcast is, is our way of trying to give back. Right. Like, like we want to, we want to give back and give people as much information as humanly possible because yeah, we're completely aware that like a coaching service, a nutrition coaching or an online fitness coaching service is expensive and not everybody right. can afford it. And so we, we, you know, just to be in line with our recovery and who we are as people, 
obviously you have to make sure that you're giving back to people. For sure. And so we do that with our social media content and don't get me wrong. At times we end up getting clients from those, from those, you yeah. know, avenues, but that's not the goal. Not the, the, yeah. the goal and the purpose is, is just to help people. What's the name of your podcast? It's the D and D fitness and nutrition podcast. Okay, cool. And we, and we do it with the and symbol in the middle. So instead okay. of the letter, but yeah, it's the, D&D Fitness and Nutrition Podcast and you know it's been a lot of fun because yeah. because we've actually gone through and and we actually allow people to ask questions on our on our podcast group on Facebook and we answer those questions specifically and so right. people actually get in-depth insight to their current problems and then we've also you know so Darcy has has a pretty long history with disordered eating um, to the point where, you know, at the age of 12, she had family members that were giving her fat burners to help her lose weight. Right. And, and it just created this whole thing. And so we've also had a number of mental health professionals on there talking about disordered eating and, and how to have that conversation mm, with nice. your teenagers yeah. and, and a healthy way to make sure that we are not accidentally starting this terrible rolling stone because disordered eating is guys, it's, it can be pretty awful. Yeah. It's, and so we work, but we also, we work with a lot of people with the help of a therapist, of course. Um, but we have a lot of young ladies that have, you know, spent some time in the center for change or center of change, whatever it is, center of change. And, uh, you know, they come to us and we, we kind of try and help focus that obsessive food behavior into something healthy like exercise. Yeah. Um, and it's just, and it's just one of those things where, you know, we, we've actually had a number of these young ladies on the podcast and, uh, you know, telling their story and saying, Hey, th- these are some things as parents that yeah. maybe you don't want to say to your 16 year old, who's already struggling with some body dysmorphia. Right. Exactly. You know, you know what I mean? For and, sure. and so it's, it's, it's been an interesting conversation and it's been a fun journey. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I still very much have to work on my recovery because every time, every time I have a little bit of success, there's a big old wave of humility. That's going to be right behind it, man. Uh, (laughs) Isn't that how it works? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Holy cow. I, man, I remember, I remember when I first decided and and Darcy and I decided like hey I don't have to work a full-time job anymore yeah I can just be in this business and I want to say a month later we lost like 10 clients and I was like huh okay then you're like <laughs> well what do we do now yeah uh, <laughs> I thought I was I thought I was hot stuff but <laughs> I'm you pretty- know- you know, it's interesting when you say that, Danny. It's I was telling the clients here the other day, isn't it funny when we when we make a decision to do something good or the right thing, yeah. it gets tested almost immediately. Yep. yep. And it's you know, it's kind of what you're saying. Like, here we're gonna do this, and all of a sudden, whoosh, where did the clients go? Yep. You know, it really <laughs> got tested because I I rem, you know, I've I've always told people and and I, I shouldn't have said it because apparently God decided like I'm gonna test it. But I said I said I don't do this for the money. I do it because I love it. And and immediately in that moment I realized like man I better love this because I'm not getting make I'm not making enough money right now. <laughs> like <laughs> like That's I mean funny. it's just that is just how that worked. Yeah. Um, where, where are you guys located? Your your fitness place so everything's online we oh, had a, online? we oh, had a awesome. physical location for a long time okay and we were training people in person and then the coronavirus happened yeah and uh 
you know, there, there are a lot of gyms and fitness professionals that ended up going out of business. And, yeah. and there are some that still tried to force the issue with those in-person training right. sessions. And uh, we decided not to. Okay. Uh, we decided that instead of trying to like force our, our natural narrative, we were actually just going to pivot a little bit and move everything to online. And so everything that we do is online coaching now. And mm -hmm. so we actually have clients all the way from New York to California. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's That's super, really cool. It's super, super fun. Like yeah. it's, it's been a really cool <laughs> experience and, and, you know, we're able to help as many people as we can. And it's really broadened the horizons. We actually have a coach now that works for us and, and we're, Great. we're, you know, we have, we have help and potentially looking at hiring another one. And nice. so, and so it's been, it's been a really, really cool experience, but yeah, everything's online. That's great. I mean, I, yeah, a lot of people, that's kind of the, what people want to do nowadays. Just, yeah. you know, and it's, and I'm glad you've been able to kind of shift because of the pandemic and yeah. uh, some people unfortunately weren't able to get through that. And I feel right. bad for, for businesses and organizations that didn't make it, but uh, glad to see that you guys are doing that. Yeah. You know, honestly, it made it so that I could work home for, for the rest of my life. I don't think I'll ever give that up. <laughs> right. Like, like the chances of the chances of me working off of somebody else's schedule are not very good. Not I'll be honest with well. you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I work in PJs generally, like I'm sitting in shorts in a, in, in a t-shirt right now, guys. Yeah. Like that's you how look cash, yeah. you look good. That's, that's how I live my you life. <laughs> I don't think I could give it up, but you know, I've, I've also, you know, I have to give back. That's always, yeah, that's that. so important. I think that's very, very important to make sure that if you're in recovery, that you're, that you're trying to give back and it doesn't have to be money. It, it doesn't have to be anything. So for example, all that I do for giving back is, is I volunteer. Have you ever heard of warrior strength? Yeah. So warrior strength is a place that's very, very similar to FTR. This one's run by Frank Young. And again, it's a sober community of people that are trying to help people in recovery and have a community of people. And so I just volunteer some time there and teach some classes for them. And that's all it takes, guys. All, awesome. all that it takes is is giving some time to something that's important to you. Right. It does not take money. It, it does not take, you know, you don't have to go serve food on Thanksgiving. You don't have to go right. give give gifts to the homeless on Christmas. Like if that's not who you are, I just would find something that you're passionate about and yeah. that you love to do and give back in that way. I love that. That's a good, that's great advice. There's millions of ways that we can give back. And yeah. You know, um, if and that's great advice. Thanks, Danny. If if there's someone listening to your story right now who is in a bad place, they're struggling, they're they're not sure how to get out. Whether it's addiction, whether it's they're dealing with food issues, um, fitness issues. What what's some advice that you could maybe give them right now? That's they're listening to you right now. So, you know, the biggest piece of advice is that I can list off twenty different things that you could do to make that better, and if yeah. I do that, you'll try and do all of them. Okay. <laughs> right. And so, and so that's not going to work. Instead, just choose one thing and make it as simple as possible. Yeah. If you're, if you're struggling with fitness, honestly, and especially if you don't know anything about the next direction to take, I would tell you to just start by drinking water three times that you would not normally drink water and take a 20 minute walk every day. Mm. And, and when you have mastered that, 
then hit me up on some sort of platform to do something else. Mm, and and with 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 sobriety, it is honestly it's one hundred percent the exact same thing. Because I mean, there's all these things in sobriety that so many different people want you to do. They want you to hit a meeting every day. They want you to read this passage in the morning. They want you to do this meditation. They want you to do this. Those are not bad things. They are so great. Mm-hmm. I am not a person who can handle 10 different things on my to-do list all at once. I yeah. don't do very well with right, that. Right. And so just choose one. If you want to read on awakening every day, make that your thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. If, if you want to make sure that you pray every night, then make, sh- make that your thing and do that and, and let it form into a habit. And then, then start trying to tack on something else. Right. So yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing for me is like, you know, just choose one thing, keep it really, really simple. And, and if, you know, don't expect perfection instead, just try and get really good Mm -hmm. at this, at that, at drinking more water, taking more steps. That's it. Beautiful. That's great advice. And I love that you said simplify it. I think what we do, especially in the addiction recovery world, we tend to overcomplicate things. Yeah. We overthink everything. So I love what you said there. Just simplify it. Let's do one thing. 20-minute walk. Yep. Drink three glasses of water when you normally wouldn't drink it. Yep. And then and then hit Danny up for some more stuff to work on. Oh, yeah. At That's, that point. I'll tell you what, guys. Like, <laughs> Legitimately, I'll be super honest with you. I, I spend about 15 to 20% of my day doing things that I actually get paid for. Like that's just how sure. that's just how my life is. I spend eighty percent of my day just helping as many people as I can because I'm well aware of the fact that nobody wants to spend money right now. Right, and that's so okay because I want to help anyways. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, like sure. I I just want to help, and I've learned that the more I help, the more the universe ends up giving back. Yeah, because truthfully, like I don't sell anybody. I don't ask for money anymore. Like everybody that pays me right now, it's because they're like, hey, I can pay you, and I want more of your time, so yeah. I I want to pay you. I'm like, oh, cool, I love that. that works. I can do that. And, and if not, then I'm just going to help you as much as I possibly can with the amount of time that I have. And right, so if I you reach it. out to me on social media or you reach out to me, um, you know, through the podcast or you reach out to me through Darcy, if you know Darcy, then then I'm going to help you. Yeah. I mean. Wow, that's awesome. That's just what I like so to do. So how would they reach out to you? Like what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So I'm pretty active on Instagram. Uh, the Instagram is at the letter D, the letter N, the letter D, fitness and nutrition. Okay. Um, I'm also pretty active on TikTok. Um, and that one is sober, healthy, strong. Hmm, I like that. And uh, yeah, those social media platforms are there. Um, you know, the podcast is the D and D fitness and nutrition podcast. If you listen to that, then you can, then you can get as much information as we can pump out in two episodes every week. And yeah, that's generally how people get a hold okay. of me. Love it. I love it. Well, um, I want to just tell you, thank you so much for coming here and, and spending some time with me. It means a lot to me because I know I'm, I, I do this to try to help other people and, and your story is going to help a lot of people. You, you're, you're currently doing that. And I do admire that, uh, you have, I lo- well, I guess what I want to say, you're so honest. I love how brutally <laughs> you're just brutally honest. And I think that's probably why you're doing so well. 
You're not afraid to admit that I've struggled here, here and here, Todd. Right. And and I've got to recognize that. So I your your honesty is actually very refreshing to me. Hey, and, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing we were talking about it before this started. It's actually the only thing that keeps me sober. Like yeah. that feeling of feeling like I have to hide something from somebody not good. drives me nuts, man. Yeah. I can't do it. Like, yeah. like I, I I'll try, it. I'll try and I'll try and like, it's funny because I'll, so Darcy's like in charge of the finances in our relationship. Yeah. And every now and again, I'll, I'll try and sneak a hundred dollar purchase <laughs> in there or something like that. And I usually, I usually only last a couple hours. I'm like, babe, I got to tell you something. <laughs> I did something. I did it. I did it. I spent money on Amazon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and she's and it's just like i can't i just that feeling of like uh, like you know it's it's funny i have the the coolest you know the coolest feeling todd is uh being in a relationship and i don't have to lock my phone yeah and wow. and and darcy yeah. has she can she can like if darcy reaches over and grabs onto my phone and and wants to look to at something on my phone i don't and it's the coolest feeling in the world. Wow, like I can I leave that. my phone there with my, with my, we're getting married in August. I call her my wife cause we've been together forever. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I can leave my <laughs> phone there and I just don't care if I get a text message from a female. I know that it's not going to be inappropriate because I don't have those kinds of relationships. Right. It's just freaking awesome. I love that. I think that happens so much where, <laughs> you know, the, the the partner or the spouse or the boyfriend or girlfriend grabs the phone and and then there's panic ensued. Yep. You know, and, and yep. then it becomes a big fight. You're like, yep. oh, here's my phone. Yep. Couldn't care less. You got nothing to hide. I love that, man. Yep. You can put your head on your pillow at night, you know, and be at peace. Yep. hundred percent. Just like, here, babe, will you look this up for me? Wow, that's mm, awesome. Well, good. Danny, you're amazing. Thank you so much for taking some time. Again, much, much uh Congratulations to all your success and for being clean and sober and, and giving back. Thank you for doing that. Hey, thanks, Todd. I appreciate you having me, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was fun. Um, well, there you go, folks. Another amazing guest. I told you, Danny Shelton. Pre please reach out to him. He is the owner of D&D &D Fitness and Nutrition. He is a, a man who loves to give back. He's been through a lot in his life. You know, I always say addiction's your uh, wake-up call to your greatness, and, and Danny's story proves it. He's been through a lot, but look at him now. His greatness is shining through, and he's not perfect, and none of us are, but uh, I love his honesty. It's truly uh, refreshing. And So there you go. Please share this with anyone you know, and thank you for all your support, and, and I, I can't thank you enough. I love you guys, and, and Danny, again, thank you for your time today. Hey, thanks again, Todd. I appreciate it.